in October 2020, two brothers began recording a podcast about the horror movies they love. All things seemed successful till they vanished in March of 2021. Now they have returned. The same, yet somehow different. You're listening to Horror everybody welcome back to another edition of horror bros i'm your host jason johnson along with jt that's right two brothers who love horror and also all kinds of other movies which i think you'll be finding out about soon uh at at the end of the episode in fact yeah Um, so um so this week what are we what are we looking uh what are we looking at for movie news? Anything you saw that? Uh, nothing really, because I have been uh, uh, knee, knee deep in writing about what we're going to announce later. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> taking care of that. Uh, uh, yeah, I had a good birthday in personal news, you know. Yeah. Uh, had some yeah. friends come in from out of town. Got a wonderful Night of the Creeps poster from Courtney. Yeah. Which was awesome. Uh, friends big came out of. Three nine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one more year in the 30s. I'm ready yep. for it. Uh, it's off to a good start, yeah, because I got the Night of the Creeps poster, and then uh, some friends came in from out of town, and I got a replica of the uh, the idol that Indiana Jones takes, and the boulder comes after him in Raiders of the Lost Ark, that yep. gold golden idol. Um, And then uh, I got a replica of Han Solo's dice that hang in the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Uh, Got that. And cool. It was good. It was a good birthday. And then we went to eat Mexican the, yeah. the day of, and they they did the fucking thing where they had everybody come out, happy, happy birthday. Except oh, now, yeah. Now the copyright's lifted, so they can actually sing happy birthday to you. Right. Um, but they didn't give you a piece of cake. Oh, no, 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 no. They gave you a shot of, of tequila. Oh. And, uh, well, let me tell you something, man. Normally, I was, like, anticipating fucking gasoline. Yeah. down my throat because yeah i'm not a tequila person at all but you know i'm gonna take the shot because it, it's birthday that shit right. was smooth whatever they gave me they didn't give me no low rent fucking yeah. literally from the gas station right so but that's but that cool. was good and i finally got in other news that's not not horror news fucking gta 6 trailer finally dropped oh yeah the, fucking years looks fucking fantastic looks people have been great. comparing it people have been comparing it to like the uh playstation remaster of five they did a uh, trailer yeah for Grand Theft Auto five and that and it's like heads and beyond or, or heads and tails beyond gta five yeah um and beyond that i caught up on the doctor who specials yeah you me watch, too you i've those. seen them all three i can't wait for all. christmas i can't wait for christmas man um uh judy uh gatwa he is going to, mm-hmm. I think, be really good as the 15th. Doctor. I think he's going to be fan-fucking-tastic, man. Be- now, without giving away spoilers, usually when a Doctor regenerates, they give you like the briefest of introductions to said right. Doctor, and it, it you don't really get a feel for the, yeah. doc- the new Doctor. This one, due to <laughs> something new that they introduced to the lore, um, that's kind of splitting fans one way or another. Right. I thought it was fucking fine. 
I thought it was great. I thought um, it was great too. The fifteenth Doctor shows up and actually has something to do. Yeah, that really gives us a good uh, idea of who he's going to be and how he's going to be. And I think I think you can feel with all three of these specials that Russell T Davies is back behind the wheel. Yes, in the writing department, 100%. especially. Um, but God, it was short lived, but it was great to see David Tennant back for when we got him. Oh yeah. Oh my God. It was just fantastic. And the possibility Uh of more later, you know, uh, and and Donna, Catherine Tate. I mean, Catherine Tate took who was the most goddamn annoying character ever written. Yes. Uh, at the beginning and, and has turned her into a fan favorite companion. A hundred percent. (laughs) I <laughs> love it. Kate Lethbridge Stewart's like, you should come work for me after all this is done. Yeah. How much do you pay? Sixty thousand. Hundred and twenty, you know. Five days holiday. And five days holiday. Yeah. Deal. Yeah. <laughs> and let's. I'll go ahead and tell you. I love them the best in order. Uh, I love the third one the best. The second one second best, and then the first one first best in terms yeah. of how I would rank them. Because Courtney was like, how did you rank these? Another big reason that third special worked was Neil Patrick Harris. Fucking yes. went, went he for it. He murdered it. It was awesome. <laughs> He's a killer. Oh, we play our game. And yeah. I love that, like, said the, the characters were, some characters were pointing out, like, did your accent slip? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just yeah. leaned into that. And, uh, of course, he's playing an ancient villain of the Doctor uh, from the first Doctor days. That story is actually mostly lost. It's one of the lost yeah. uh, stories from those days. But they obviously had scenes because they showed little right. snippets to remind you of who this guy was. And Neil Patrick Harris, yeah, he just... And they teased through his character things that um, Davies has already confirmed is set up for what fifth, the 15th uh, yeah. face. Um, but yeah, an old guy, can you tell Disney money's in there? Oh God, yeah! They, they, uh, the effects, everything has just just gone up tremendously. I mean, they even offered them the Avengers Tower for the third special. Yeah, <laughs> but um, if you watch the special, you'll understand what I'm referencing. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think that you know, off to a great start. It's like Davy said. He said this is a new era for Doctor Who. In fact, they're they're calling this like a whole separate series from both the original. And the revived series. This is the start of like a fresh show. Yeah. Doc, that's gonna, just going to happen to continue Doctor Who. So. Yeah. Um, fantastic. I loved it. Um, in review news, man, I cannot speak highly enough about Godzilla minus one. Yeah, you you've told me about that, and then you um, you've online you you're pressing that everywhere. It's. Uh... It, it's it's one of the best films of the year, just yeah. hands down, one of the best. And it's because you care about the characters, like you care yeah. about the humans, and you care about them in between all of the Godzilla. They're not action. just there to, to just there. hold pl- as a placeholder for Godzilla till you see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I think one of the one of the differences I posted on my Facebook profile was uh, uh, the difference is uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Fun, exciting. I had no problems with that movie. Great special effects, popcorn-driven movie. Nothing wrong with that. Right. Godzilla minus one. One of the greatest fucking films of the year. Like, that's the difference when you have great characters. Right. In addition to um, this awesome version of Godzilla. 
It's basically a re a, a redo of the first movie because it's set post World War Two and yeah, uh, it goes back to the nuclear. It's funny that yeah. two of my favorite films this year are nuclear. Yeah, <laughs> films. I've seen uh, comparisons between uh, uh, the first film and this one, and yeah, they they did some they did some shot for shot remakes on it that are really cool with the modern effects and stuff, you know, and, and yeah, I, I can't wait to see it. I didn't get a chance to go to the theater and see it, but, but, uh, but yeah, um, uh, I ha- I have seen, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say to the audiences out there, check your yeah. listings. If you think it may be gone by now, cause they did extend Godzilla minus ones, um, U S theatrical window due okay. to its success. So to anyone out there, Check your theater before you make sure it's it's before you just assume it's gone. It may still be out there. Yeah, but anyway, um, I saw a couple of trailer uh, trailers, tra- couple of trailers, a uh, couple of trailers that so a I'm, couple of trailers did you? Yeah, that I'm very interested in. Uh, this is non horror news too. It's uh um, but uh, the first one, of course, is well, I guess you could kind of consider this futuristic apocalyptic horror. But Furiosa is it, it, I am ready to see this fucking movie it looks like it's going to hold true to the the mad max we got a couple of years ago and it's it's going to be fun real quick you say a couple of years ago yeah eight and a half years ago jesus christ i'm getting old fury road was was it 2015 jesus one of the best films of 2015 of course, we do have to remember things did get delayed because of you know. Uh, oh, I think everything, COVID and everything. happened sooner. So twenty twenty yeah. and twenty twenty one don't exist for me as years. Right. So I've got two years. I've got to catch up two years usually when I'm thinking about something. Right. Um, so. But the other one that I saw that looks funny and and fun uh, is uh, Argyle. That looks like that's yes. going to be a really cute and fun movie. Um, uh, it, ostensibly, the it's about a writer who writes these adventure novels, you know, these with these spies and shit, and then somehow it's all coming true. But the cast is incredible. Uh, we're talking Brian Cranston, and we're talking uh, um, oh, what's her name from Shit's Creek? Um, Oh God, I can't believe she, Home Alone, the mom on Home Catherine Alone, O'Hara. Catherine O'Hara. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're talking her. We got John Cena. Uh, we have Superman himself <laughs> is going to be in it. And, uh, Speaking and, of which, this Henry may be a da- this may be the audition he needs for the Bond producers to be Maybe. like fucking hire this man. You yeah. can get at least three or four good films out of him. You're right, and he's a free agent. He's yep. <laughs> Superman's going. Yep. He's um, not Superman anymore. He's tra- not Geralt of Rivia anymore. He is. So the trailer, yeah, as you said, it, 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 she writes these novels and they're coming true. And they tease yeah. who, what is, or who is Argyle, really? Yeah. Like, let's introduce you to the real Argyle. I have a prediction. Yeah. It's an AI program that's been subliminally uh, messaging her through various means and giving her her ideas for the books. But yeah. they're real ideas. They're real things. And so I think it's, it's all cat. coming to true. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that fucking cat will play a role. But, you know. It's the from the same I... person that created the Kingsman. And it did the Kingsman and, and all yeah. that. So, yeah, I could see some wild shit coming through this. <laughs> yeah. 
the moment I saw Sam Rockwell though show yeah. up on the train, he's like, "I'm a big fan. Who yeah. are you? I'm an international spy," and just starts beating the shit out of people. Right. And he's the same goofy Sam Rockwell. Yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm in. And yeah, the, the cast itself is just Samuel Jackson, Brian Cranston, uh, it's Bryce Dallas Howard. Is that what, who, the main? Was character? that who that the, was? The, uh, the I, I, yeah, I think she's the main. Yeah. Uh, woman, and then of course, yeah, like you said, Henry Cavill. Uh, yeah, yeah it's I just, an all-star I, cast. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, so, um, with that being said, though, do you have any more uh, announcements here before uh, we get into this? That's it. The big yeah. announcement will be at the end. I will yep. go ahead and say this is a uh, season finale of sorts. We yes. are going to take a break for the rest of the year for the holidays. We're going to get through the new year. Yes. And then we will get back at it in January. Yes. Uh, but what we'll come back with, though, will be slightly different for a little while. Yeah. But more on that later. Oh, yeah. Um. So, yeah, let's get to it. Uh, We're going to start with mine this week. I uh, chose uh, David Cronenberg's uh, 1981 film Scanners. Uh, it's an hour and 43 minute long. It stars Jennifer O'Neill, Stephen Lack, Patrick McGuhan, uh, Lawrence Dane, and Michael Ironside, which is always, he's always a treat. Um, now, um, Probably the biggest reason I like this movie. Yeah, he's the reason I like the movie because I'm going to tell you, Stephen Lack, as the main character, Cameron Vale, uh, he has an appropriate name. Stephen Lack uh, lacks a bit of ability to act. Uh, he has... I, I, think, I think I know where he was going with it, Yeah, but he went too far yeah. in that direction. Go ahead and set the movie up and I'll... I'll well, uh, so what we have here is in this movie is is there's these people that have a certain type of ESP called, uh, and they're called scanners. They're out there in the world. They're hidden about. Um, and uh, but this one guy is trying to get them all together, and they're going to, and also as we find out later, is creating more of them. Uh, and just so that uh, he can, he has this kind of belief that uh, the way I like to put it is that it's the next stage of evolution. And uh, the Magneto effect. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so we should, we should promote this instead of, uh, but he's a bad guy. He's killing a bunch of people. And, and um, they take our protagonist, Cameron Vale, who is also a scanner. Uh, the idea is, is he is going to infiltrate. Uh, Michael Ironside's uh, organization and uh, and uh, take him down, as, as you might say. Of course, David Cronenberg's, there's a lot of body horror in it, uh, uh, mainly with one of the very first scenes in the movie, probably, you know, five scenes in, the best head explosion ever on fucking t- <laughs> on film. I'll be honest with you, I think that death sequence spoiled the rest of the movie for me because nothing else comes close to it. No. In the effects department. It's so early in the film. (laughs) Yeah. This is a rather tame body horror film, if I'm being honest. It is. I I didn't. For Cronenberg, for sure, but also for he really tried to just get more into telling a story with this film and it takes a lot of twists and turns now uh 
there's some stuff in here that uh, for history purposes, I'm going to say uh, if you're if you're a younger horror fan, you're going to be going, what the fuck? Because this movie, I will say, does not hold up as far as from a technical standpoint. And, all. Uh, and of course, I'm talking about the uh, computer has a central nervous system. You have a central nervous system. <laughs> Scan we didn't it. know. We didn't yeah. know dick about computers. Yeah, that, in, <laughs> in context of 1981, when no one knew how a computer worked, anything about electronics and stuff, I guarantee you people were eating this up. Because you it's know, an admittedly yeah. cool fucking sequence. It I is mean. a cool sequence. Um, but the thing is, is now in this day and age, when you know how computers work and stuff, yeah, you go suddenly. This guy that suddenly goes from being able to scan people's brains uh, to a guy who is uh. uh now he can even scan a computer system to hack into it uh, from a payphone, no less. Um, I I will say one of my favorite unironic films. Another uh, thing historically, I, by the way, payphones. Kids is, listening will have no idea. Is nineteen? I love nineteen ninety five's hackers. Yeah. And I love the characters. I love the world yeah. building, but the computer shit is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I love what. But I love what Roger and I will bring it back to scanners through this. Roger Ebert said, "I took the computer stuff and and because he liked hackers. Yeah, I took the computer stuff in hackers as about as seriously as I take the archaeology in an Indiana Jones film. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's something that just services the plot. So going back to scanners." On that note, I can like it on the same level. It's a cool enough sequence that I don't give a shit how absurd it is. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and keep in mind, I, I wanted to mention this real quick. I watched this movie blind. I didn't. I had never seen Scanners. Before really? You recommended it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. I am not very well educated in Cronenberg yeah. films. I, in fact, after I finished Scanners, I really wanted to watch what a lot of people refer to. Um, Videodrome. I've yeah. never seen Videodrome either. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I saw that way long ago when it was first made. Whenever I, I was, it was on HBO. Uh, watched it, but I don't remember watching much of it because as a kid, you're looking at Cronen, a Cronenberg film and going, "What the fuck is it? I got better shit to do," and flip it on your <laughs> Nintendo or something. You know, it was. It, it, but now that as an adult, I really want to go back and watch it because um, some people have even said that Videodrome has uh, 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 things that hold up in today's society. It really talks about the things we're experiencing with with social media and the internet and all that, but it's just in a different form of course because they didn't have all that yeah. then um but yeah no this movie I, listen i like this movie but i i think i've done this with one movie before in this i'd have to go back and look and see but um the but i will say that as much as i like this movie as much as i like michael ironside and you uh, and, uh, and and you know that cronenberg flavor of the movie um this is one of the very few movies that I would like to see remade today. Mm. And the reason is, is because we do know so much about computers. And I think if you remade this, you could um, do a thing where, where um, you, 
you know, we always talk about. It, it, don't remake a movie shot for shot. There's no fucking point. You're not bringing me anything new. With this, I think we could. With modern day shit like uh, Neuralink uh, and things like that, you could really modernize it to not be... Um, because in the in this film, what happened was was the the doctor had a, a a drug he was giving to pregnant women that they that they had been experimenting on. Um, but what happened was was this the effect of this drug was that it uh, caused these pregnant women to have babies that were scanners. It was being a scanner was a side effect of it. So. So I think we could go with a different tack on that of we're all jacked in now to the uh, to the web because we have these links to our computers and our phones and stuff. Um, but there are some people that are able to manipulate that, you know, and, and, and use it. Uh, but, yeah, I think there could be a very good modern take on this now that we know a little bit more about what they were trying to get into with this movie. Yeah. The central storyline of, yeah. uh, okay, there's this company, they're trying to get all these scanners together right? Uh, for whatever reason. But then there's this rival scanner who goes and gets other scanners and then right. there's a war between scanners. And yeah, that central storyline is fucking metal as shit. I yeah. like that aspect of this film. Yeah. Uh, before we talk about my favorite actor in the movie though, I'm going to talk about Stephen Lack because... Yeah, please do, because you said you think you know where he was going. In the movie, he plays a a homeless person at the beginning right? who has the ability to scan, but he doesn't have the ability to control it. He's hearing stuff all the fucking time when he's in crowds of people and stuff like that, and it sets off, and he doesn't even know it's setting off. When we do finally get to know him as a person, and he starts to talk, it is... But doctor, are there any more out there like me? Yeah. And it's that it's constantly that delivery. I can't let you do that. Right. And what I think it is is I think he thought, okay, this character for most of his life has been antisocial with loud voices in his head the entire time. He probably doesn't talk or socialize too much. So he probably's going to play it. I'm going to play this as a character who's basically for the first time, can talk. Yeah, That's what it felt like it was coming off as. I don't know this for a fact, but that's how it feels. The problem is, it goes so far in that he takes it so far in that direction that it just comes off as bad fucking acting. Yeah. Well, and also, though, I had another thought on this, too. Um, You want to see a character who talks and is very much like this Go back to a film we did not too much earlier called Nightbreed when David Cronenberg played <laughs> the villain and he very much had that same tone. I have wondered if Stephen Lack wasn't doing a version of Cronenberg to Cronenberg in this. I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. Yeah. yeah. Because that's not the first thing I thought whenever I was... I, I agree with you on the way he took the character because they even mentioned that... He even mentions that, oh, yeah, now I'm crystal clear. I can speak because they give him the drug and he and he and it clears up his mind. He does, He's not hearing all these voices and stuff. So, yeah, I can kind of... I can see where you're going. But, yeah, I just started watching that and I was like, yeah, he kind of is acting like Cronenberg to Cronenberg. <laughs> yeah. 
Man, you talk about twists and turns. This movie also showed me that Cronenberg watched and loved The Empire Strikes Back because there's yes. a twist with the characters that I'm like, okay. Yes. <laughs> like that, I get it. Yep. But speaking of it, uh, there's polar opposites, man. If Stephen Lack is Cameron Bell is a bit of a misfire, uh, Michael Ironside as Daryl Revick is not. No, that's uh, right. Yeah. Maybe aside from his and every scanner's O faces that they give when they scan, uh, like yeah. they're all they yeah. all look like they're about to. <laughs> yeah, they just they all look like faces all scrunched up. And... They all look like they're about to arrive at the station. Yeah. <laughs> Either they're about to arrive at the station or they're about to drop a deuce and a half. <laughs> when you've had too when you've had too many burritos from Taco Bell to hey. show an image of Michael Irons. <laughs> yeah. Oh, glad you mentioned that. Real quick, everybody, until December twentieth, the double decker taco is back. And yes, so far I have eaten fifteen of them since they came back. Oh, I've had my share. Yeah. <laughs> I saw an ad the only thing like, is it reminds me of how much I miss it and and then it's going to be gone again. And so I don't know why they're doing this temporary shit just fucking make the goddamn thing. But anyway, I'm sorry I digress. I I got you sidetracked by my Mexican favorite pizza. food. Bring back the double decker. Yeah. One of my favorite food. Let me make food. let me make some scanner old faces. Yes. <laughs> um but yeah, so um in the end of this movie Let's uh, we'll 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 go we'll go ahead and spoil shit out of this, people. Uh, Doctor Ruth, Doctor Paul Ruth, uh, is the doctor that's trying to to get all this together. We find out that he's actually the father of both Daryl Revick and Cameron Vale, the two the protagonist and the antagonist in the film. Don't you see, we're brothers in that Empire yes. Strikes Back twist I was talking about. Yeah. Yes, and uh, they have a, a they battle it out with each other. Uh, Cameron starts ripping off his face. Is they did a lot of uh, what do they call the? It's it's where they put the the airbags underneath oh, the yeah. skin, and they they the skin look like yeah, it make it looks like it's rising and blood's coming out and shit. Um, and so he's kind of getting fucked up by Ironsides, but he is the stronger one. So since his body's getting all fucked up by Ironsides trying to, uh, quote, suck his brain dry of everything that he is, in the end of the film, we find out that he has transferred himself into Michael Ironsides and taken over Michael Ironsides' body. And that's how the film ends. Which, I Which hated maybe they, we did or maybe he didn't. I don't know. Well, I, yeah. I, I think they did because they used that monotone Stephen yeah. Lack acting voice to dub Michael Ironside. Which they shouldn't which have I done. Hated. I hated that moment so much. Why did you do that? Let Michael Ironside say the fucking line. His vocal cords didn't fucking change. Yeah. But here's your sequel. Yeah. Cameron, as Daryl's trying to get scanners together just to protect them. But what he's not telling people is that Daryl Revick is still alive in the same mind, and it's a battle of the minds. Yes. That would have given Michael Ironside so much sweet stuff to play with if they'd done that. 
Well, there are two sequels to this film, but I didn't watch either one of them. I yeah, they're they're straight to video. Yeah, yeah. And and from what I've been told, nothing really to do with the first. Yeah, movie, I so. was actually told to stay away from them. They actually they called Scanners Two the New Order because it didn't have any of the originals in there. So they just uh, they basically. Uh, used them, uh, uh, used the new order to bring in a whole new cast of characters. But, yep. That's scanners. Yep. <laughs> That's scanners. Um, I'm, I'm going to give this, uh, film 10 out of, uh, or not 10, um, um, just because of the dating of it, just because I think that, uh, our, uh, Stephen Lack took a bad choice as far as his his acting in it. Uh, I'll give it a seven out of ten. It is a David Cronenberg classic, and it does have um, some of the best effects as far as in the final scene, and like I said, the best exploding head ever in in start, film history. Yeah, yeah, start strong, end strong yeah. kind of situation. Yeah. Um, I give, uh, what did you give it again? It was 7 out of 10. 7 what? out of 10, yeah. Uh, no descriptors there, no... Uh, oh, 7 out of, uh, exploding heads, I'm sorry. 7 there out of 10 go. exploding heads, yeah. I had two options because I figured you would choose exploding heads. Yep. I give it 3 out of 5, what I've been dubbing, scatter O-faces. Yeah, O-faces. Like, <laughs> 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 nice. Um, and by the way, I just remembered what that effect is called. It's a uh, bladder effects. They put bladders under the makeup in the latex yeah, yeah. so that they can expand it out and, and all that. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I enjoyed rewatching this after years of not seeing it again, you know, but like I said, it's dated. It doesn't hold up as far as the technology and stuff. Of course, anything from the early eighties isn't. And, uh, but still a good all around story and it's cute and it has shit tons of twists and turns. So, uh, go for it. Watch it. So, for my movie, yes, sir. I just decided to go for a straight-up classic. One I have loved since I was a kid, man. Uh, mm. I decided to go with 1988's Child's Play. Um, a Love series it. that has gone on and made several twists and turns in its own right. It's about to enter its fourth or third season of, the, of a television show. Yep. Um, I, I chose child's play because I just wanted to choose something. I love, I knew I loved, yep. uh, it's from director Tom Holland, not Spider-Man, uh, <laughs> writers, Tom Holland, John Lafayette and Don Mancini, who came up with the initial concept cinematography by Bill Butler music by, uh, Joe Renzetti. Uh, the cast mm -hmm. includes Catherine Hicks as Karen, Chris Sarandon as detective Mike, Alex Vincent, uh, as Andy, uh, Dinah Manoff, I think is her, I say yep. her last name, as Maggie. Jack Colvin as Dr. Ardmore. Tommy Swerdlow as Jack, uh, Detective Mike's partner. Um, Neil Giantoli, I'm going to assume I'm saying that right. right. I'm probably butchering <laughs> that name. He plays Eddie, uh, part, former partner of uh, uh, old the old Chucky. Uh, Raymond Oliver as John Dr. Beth Bishop, you must go for the heart. Um, <laughs> love him. And then, of course, of course, one of the most underrated fucking actors ever, uh, Brad Dorff as yep. Charles Lee Ray, a.k.a. 
Chucky. The synopsis for the film is very simple. After a boy receives a good good guy doll for his birthday, mysterious deaths soon follow. Andy claims that it's the doll named Chucky, but no one believes him. Is Andy crazy, or is Chucky really possessed by a supposedly dead serial killer? Right. Uh, well, you know from the opening he is because they show you. Yeah, them. they show it. They show you the damn possession. Yeah. Um, the the movie came about while uh, Mancini was still in film school at UCLA. Mm-hmm. He was dealing with being a a closeted gay man at the time. He was dealing with a father that he didn't get along with, but his father was also an advertisement executive. So he learned a lot about eighties consumerism, yeah. including advertising to kids. Yes. Uh, and that's when he came up with the idea for what was originally called uh, Blood Buddies. Blood Buddies was supposed to have been this doll that if you roughed it up, would bleed. Like it had fake, fake blood in it. Jesus. That was the concept. And so Andy, who is, and some of this still is in the, the final movie or residue of this is in the final movie. Yeah. He has lost his father. He is angry. He, he has a lot of repressed rage at, for a young kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, for whatever reason, he mixes his blood with the fake blood of the doll, and that's what makes the doll come to life in the original script. Yeah. Um, when other writers came on board, obviously, that changed. Yeah. Uh, they had to change the name. Uh, the original name was not Blood Buddies. I'm sorry. The original name was uh, Batteries Not Included. Yeah. But there was another movie that yes. was going to have to deal with that. So then they renamed it to Blood Buddies, and then they were going to have another rights issue with mm-hmm. some other movie. So they had to change it again, and then Child's it, Play well, was and those When you get done, I'll tell you a little bit about uh, Blood Buddies and why that was Okay. Um, Brad Dorif, not the first actor considered for Chucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, this would have been an interesting choice. John Lithgow was the first uh, Ooh, yeah. consider- consideration. Uh, but after he... I don't know if they even offered it to him or, you know, like, oh, he's going to be too expensive or whatever. They got Brad Dorff to do it. And man, you couldn't have done better at no. picking, picking him. Uh, the film plays first, you see the possession and then you see that Andy and his mother, uh, Karen, she's a single struggling mother. He wants a good guy doll. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, to get a little bit more into the movie here, she can't get him one. He's upset. She finds out that there's a homeless man selling the doll behind her, the store where she works at a price she can afford. So she gets it. And of course it comes from the store where Chucky possessed the doll Yes, and she brings it home. He loves it. Bad things start to happen and they do play it kind of ambiguous at first. Like they don't show Chucky doing things or speaking even. And and Andy's even acting like a kid, you know, walking up to him and holding his ear up to his mouth and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so the adult, and that's to give the adult characters a reason to, you know, well, it's obviously this crazy kid thinks this, this doll can talk and whatever. But then the greatest scene ever happens. Uh, Andy has been committed for uh, for all the crazy shit that's been happening. Mm-hmm. And Karen goes home. She starts to say, talk to me, you son of a bitch. And then she uh, huh, she laughs that off. She tosses the doll to the floor. She goes to toss the box away. And what should fall out of the box but the batteries? The batteries, yeah. And so she goes, she grabs the doll. Boom, no batteries. And then the head turns, hi, my name is Chucky. And she screams. And then she realizes Andy's telling the truth. So she picks it up. She lights a fire and says, talk to me, goddammit, or I'll burn you. And then all of a sudden, 
Brad Dorf. Fuck you, you fucking bitch. Like, just comes to fucking right. life. And it's so fucking great and so delightfully, darkly hilarious. And it just works on all those levels. And from that point forward, Chucky's alive. He goes to visit the voodoo guy that taught him the ritual that allowed him to transfer his soul. It's like, hi, John. I love that yeah. scene because he's like, and he's like, only thing is I thought I couldn't get hurt. But then I got shot. And you know what, John? It hurt. Hurt like a son of a bitch. <laughs> I love Dork's line delivery. It's fucking fantastic. Yep. He kills the voodoo doctor, but not before the voodoo doctor says, you got to transfer your soul into the first person you revealed yourself to, which was Andy. Which so yeah. he's like, I'm going to be a six-year-old again. <laughs> like, yeah. so fucking, and he said at one point, he said a line, I got a date with a six-year-old boy. And Courtney and I went, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but of course, uh, he's able to instill a piece of knowledge to Karen before he dies, the, the voodoo doctor, yeah. where he says, his heart is mostly human. Go for the heart. That yeah. scene where you get the the moment of weakness, if you will. Yeah. And then Carissa Randon also kills it. I haven't been talking about him as D- Detective Mike Norris at first, of course. does He's the guy who killed Chucky, who, by the way, was named Charles Lee Ray. Named yep. after Charles Manson, Lee Harvey Oswald, and John Earl Ray. Yep. That's where they got the name. And then the nickname Chucky, of course, was just uh, what they would shorten it to. Um, he's the one who kills uh, Charles Lee Ray. and But then eventually Chucky attacks him. And so you can't help but you know, when a doll comes to life to kill you, you can't help but then believe the crazy kid who told you, hey, the fucker's alive. Right. <laughs> um, Chris Rand is great. Kudos to Alex Vincent as Andy. This is one of like the great child actor performers, and he's young in this movie. Yeah, he's yeah. very little. He cries on cue. He yeah, he's, he, he's he, a great little actor. And 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 got he's got one of the most baller ass moments. They get Chucky trapped in the fireplace. Andy lights the match. Chucky's like, Andy, don't. We're friends to the end. Remember? And then yeah. Andy. This is the end, friend, and throws that match, and it's a badass moment. Yeah, uh, great, great moment from a uh, from Alex Vincent there, who would later return, uh, and he's actually in the show, uh, Chucky as well. But uh, um, the man who d- the way they did um, Chucky was it was both animatronics and a little per and a little person named Ed Gale, mm-hmm. who would act on larger uh, scale sets uh, right. that they made. Uh, which admittedly there's a few shots where it's like, Oh, it's obviously not the animatronic. Right. And then moments where it's obviously the animatronic, but, uh, but the great animatronic effects were from the great, uh, Kevin Yeager. Kevin Yeager's worked on stuff like nightmare on Elm street. Uh, I think he did three, uh, nightmare on Elm street three. So, you know, he's, you know, he's good. He would actually later marry Catherine Hicks. They're married to this day. They, they met on this film. I'll be. Um, and um, did I want to talk about anybody else real quick? Oh, the partner. I love the partner, the mustache partner, Chris Randon, uh, right. uh, Detective Jack, played by Tommy Swerdlow, who, uh, screenwriter on Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Oh, uh, screen Screenwriter of Cool Runnings. Uh, huh. he was a screenwriter at uh, little giants. He did, uh, uh, little giants. So he became a, a, a screenwriter and 
what am I trying to remember uh, Dinah Manoff from? Maggie? Um, she was in, uh, there's two things that you'll know her from. The first one is uh, Grease. She was one of the pink yeah. ladies. Uh, the second one is uh, the show Empty Nest. It was Empty Nest. Yes. Okay. She was one of the daughters. That's right. Yeah. That's right. God, I hadn't thought about that show. It was her and uh, her and Christy McNichol. Spinoff of Golden Girls. Yes, it was. Um, he was their neighbor. <laughs> I know way too much about television oh i do too i could i could talk to you about empty nest all night long it's it, i know so much about it and i really shouldn't it but i did oh i've surprised some people when i when i talk about golden girls yeah uh especially oh, yeah. at work at work some of the female co-workers are like you you even remember golden girls i'm like our parents watched this shit yeah. and back then you didn't have anything else to watch. Exactly. In, in this day and age of streaming, these the younger folks will not, uh, will, will never experience what it took to watch a show where you had one chance a week to go watch your favorite show, and then you had to wait for summer reruns if you mix miss that uh, miss that that episode of that show. Um, and it, instead of getting online to type yeah. about it. You talked about it at the water cooler the next morning. That's right. That's right. Or at the the internet at existed long before the internet existed. You know, it just. Uh, but yeah, no. Um, yeah, the, it is funny you mentioned that though. That the older folks will look at us and go, "You remember that? You were a kid when that was on." It's like, yeah. Who do you think was sitting next to you when you were watching it yeah. as adults? Your kids, you dipshits. Yeah. yeah, we also use ravens to communicate with one another. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> uh, ravens oh, are what mercy. we used to call landlines, people. Uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and, and hey, remember that day uh, whenever, um, yeah. uh, you know, uh, well, shit, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, going, I'm going fun. on this. Oh, and again, I'm, I'm he just older. turned thirty-nine. Uh, uh, so, uh, and oh, trust me, that's going to get worse the further along we you go. Yeah, I was going to circle back. That's what I was going to mm -hmm. do. Uh, get back to this and circle back to Blood Buddies. You said you had more information on the whole why there was deals with Blood Blood Buddies. The biggest toy, one of the biggest toys of that time, in this movie. So was inspired by it. it I know was, what you're about to mention. Yeah, now. yeah, it was called My Buddy. And it was a doll that looked a hell of a lot like the good guy doll. It was marketed so that boys could have this doll called My Buddy. It would be their, like, imaginary friend. You know, it would be their, they could run around with them. Um, here's the wildest part of this. They said no blood buddies because you're going to destroy the My Buddy franchise. You're going to kill it, right? You know, because kids are going to think they're fucking possessed and shit. That ended up happening anyway. Yeah. <laughs> they pretty much single-handedly destroyed the sales of a toy line with this movie. It was... Yeah. Two primary yeah. dolls were the inspiration. My Buddy and yeah. uh, the Cabbage Patch doll. Of course. Of course. Which yeah. was the... Yeah. Which was rage. the inspiration for the My Buddy doll. Um, yeah. toy companies looked at how well the Cabbage Patch doll sold, um, and saw little girls eating it up and they said, well, how can we get this 
for the male market? How can we get boys into carrying this doll around? Can we do it? And they came up with the My Buddy. Initially, it worked very well. There was a lot of little kids had My Buddies. But then, yeah, this whole thing. My My Buddy is fucking possessed. Throw that away, Daddy. You know, and, and so um, they also had a, a, a secondary toy line to that uh, called Kid Sister. Uh, yeah. which was another doll you could get, which was related to the My Buddy. Um, and uh, we we had a lot of little funny jokes about that as kids that I'll have to tell you about on air because they don't hold up too well. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, I've always thought that was so funny that they would have just objected to Blood Buddies because it was... Uh, it was too close to my buddy, and uh, you'll destroy our franchise. And well, guess what? Chucky did it anyway. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> so um, the movie was a huge success, of course, uh, of course. Yeah. Uh, however, in a twist of fate, it came out in '88, and so it's coming out at the end of the horror craze of the '80s. Um, and so MGM, and I think there were some financial issues with MGM at that point, if I'm not mistaken. They owned the rights to the first movie, but they sold the rights to the sequels to Universal Pictures. Yeah. And in 1990 and 91, Universal Pictures made Child's Play 2 and Child's Play 3. Mm-hmm. Um, I like both those movies. 3 is obviously the weakest of the, of the Child's Play trilogy. Um, in 1997, though, it would come back as a horror comedy, uh, called, uh, Bride of Chucky. And that's when it kind of hit a new stride. However, it led to the worst film where they leaned too much into the horror comedy. And that was Seed of Chucky. Yeah. I didn't like that one, but then they, they pulled it back with Curse of Chucky, which actually stars Brad Dorff's daughter, Fiona Dorff, as, uh, mm-hmm. a, a character, uh, uh, that Chucky must face off against. At the end of that movie, Alex Vincent returned as Andy in a cameo and had a bigger role in the next film, uh, Cult of Chucky. Let me just tell you, the series gets wild. I can't go into it from here. But the television show Chucky that's currently airing is a sequel to all those movies. It's a continuation of the storyline. So uh, Alex Vincent comes back as Andy. There's a whole new set of new characters, of course. Brad Dorff is the voice of Chucky, which I think is fantastic that he committed to a TV show. Um, yeah. But that's the day and age we live in, which you can actually get people who are legitimate movie actors <laughs> on TV now. Right. Um, but uh, Don Mancini has been involved in everything except for one movie. MGM. I've already mentioned, owned the rights to the first film. So they could remake that movie, basically. Mm-hmm. And so they remade Child's Play. But this time, Charles Lee Ray is nowhere to be found. He's not a serial killer-possessed doll. Right. It's an AI doll that malfunctions uh, and is voiced very well, might I add, by Mark Hamill. I yeah. did enjoy his voice work. I didn't mind the movie, it's just kind of average, so it's kind of forgettable. Right. That's the problem with yeah. it. And and actually, Chucky was a response to that. Don Mancini said, no, we're going to continue to do with Universal uh, sequels and, and eventually this TV show that they ended up doing. Um, 
Yeah, I don't think <laughs> I don't think we'll get a sequel to the remake. I, I think it did no. fine, but I think the response to it kind of led them to be like, yeah, okay, yeah. they don't they don't want this. Um, but that's been the that's the franchise. Um, I have not watched any of the TV series. I'll be honest. I haven't either. Um, I hear it is good. I hear I should watch it. I've been told that by friends of mine. So so I will check it out eventually, but you are much like me. Uh, We have a list of shit a mile long because there's so much shit now out there that, yeah, it's just wait until we catch up to it, and eventually we will. And, and yeah, I've just gotten to a point where, like, I don't have fucking FOMO anymore. Right. Fear of missing out. I yeah. don't give a shit if I watch something five years after it's done. Well, you literally <laughs> can't. You you can't because it's it's just, there's so much out there. And if you have FOMO, you basically figure out a way to quit your job and just watch TV all day, every day, because that's the only way you're going to get caught up mm. with all the stuff that's out there. Um, don't get me wrong, as much as I love movies and TV shows, I have other shit to do, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, uh, Child's Play, though, I love this movie. It's a classic. I have a friend of mine, mm-hmm. Jamie Green. She's one who says I should watch the show. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out to her, because we were talking one day about, you know, we all have our childhood monster that still gets us even to this day in our later ages, you know, for me, it's Michael Myers in that first yeah. Halloween movie. I still have trouble watching that movie in the dark uh, kind of oh, situation. Yeah. Uh, for her, it's Child's Play. It, it, it's Chucky. Chucky scarred the shit out of her and, and yeah. there were and there were a couple times where I just went, hi, my name is Chucky. Wanna play? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, sometimes that voice is creepier than fucking Brad Dorf, but uh <laughs> Uh, yeah very yeah. much so you mentioned uh the sequels i have to give a shout out to somebody who has been a, a crush of mine ever since the first time i ever saw her jennifer tilly she plays the bride of chucky uh, uh tiffany uh and i She's and in I, the show yeah and i i love her to <laughs> i love her to death i've always loved jennifer tilly tilly and uh her act her and it for those of y'all out there who don't know she has a sister named meg tilly who is an amazing actress, an Academy Award-winning actress. So go check out her stuff, too. Um, but uh, So what do you think, JT? Are we, are we about done with Child's Play here? Are we gonna... Yeah, just real quick. Uh, one of my... It's not even really... It's not even really Jennifer Tilly. It's Jim Carrey, but she's in Liar, Liar. Yeah. And he's doing the testimony at the end with her because he's found yeah. out a way to get the case one for her and he, but he's reading off her facts and he's like wait 110 yeah in your bra i love that fucking joke but yeah it's time to rate because uh, we also have an announcement to make that yes I think will take up a sufficient amount of our time but uh oh i give this uh Five out of five, Dewey, Dewey, Dimbala. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. I I give it uh, ten out of ten. Batteries falling out of a box to show you that holy fuck, that thing is possessed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> oh, and one of my other favorite moments from this movie, I got to mention it, is when he's going back. Chucky's going back to the apartment. This elderly couple walks in the elevator. The woman notices it. Chucky and the guy said, and the, the older man says. Leave it. Um, 
whoever whoever it belongs to will come back for it. And they walk off the elevator. Now she walks off. She gets one more ugly look at it and goes, what an ugly doll. And then it focuses on Chucky and then the elevator starts to go up. And as he goes out of view, you just hear, you just hear, mm-hmm. fuck you. Yep. <laughs> oh, God. And now, uh, Brad Dorif. Oh, so anything, good. So good. Anything. Yeah. Just fucking watch it. The, I mean, even, even Exorcist 3. Watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that that movie, which I love anyway, he's a big reason to watch it. Yeah. I, I think it's sad the reason they had to hire him. Um, yeah. Because yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, real quick, uh, Father Mer- the, the Jason Jason Patrick's father, um, uh, the original I actor from... Yeah, I can't remember. I'm right blanking now. on his name at the moment, but who plays Father... Um, the, the, the priest from the first movie who supposedly dies. It turns out he's alive in three... But he was suffering from the effects of alcoholism so much so that he couldn't remember lines very well. Yeah. So that they do this thing. He's possessed by the Gemini killer. And so they do this thing where they show uh, Miller. Uh, Miller's mm-hmm. his last name. They show him first. And he talks. He says a few lines. And it's like, don't you know who I am? And it cuts to George Jor- C. Scott. And when it cuts back, it cuts back to Brad Dorif who finishes the scene as the Gemini killer who has possessed the father. That's they kind of establish it that yeah. way. Yeah. And, but, but Brad Dorif, who was hired at the last minute to come do that. Yeah. Did an incredible job. Kills it. Fucking yeah. crushes it. Um, that could be a future movie, but it's going to be a while before we get oh, to yeah. it. Cause we're, uh, we are taking a break, as we yeah. mentioned at the top of the Gonna show. Have an that announcement means... here, which I am so yeah. excited for. JT, take it away, man. This is based on a conversation you and I had a long time mm-hmm. ago. Um, we are going to, it's going to take 13 episodes to do it, two films per episode. Uh, we are going to cover the James Bond films yes. in, in a temporary limited edition show called Bros. Bond Bros. It'll nice. just be Bond Bros, but I, I wanted to announce it. Yes. But uh, <laughs> it's going to be, and we're going to watch it from the start to the finish, from Dr. No to No Time to Die. And we're mm-hmm. going to watch all 26 films. Now, there are Bond fans out there that may hear me say that and go, 26 films? There's only 25 uh, Bond films. Yes, there are 25 Eon produced Bond films, but there is one unofficial film called never say never again we're gonna cover that too um (laughs) and i can't wait to get to it so what i have done is i've and the reason i'm going in order is i've already ranked the films i've been what i've been working on is i've been watching the films getting the episodes kind of laid out a little bit i've got some things i've got to add in the before we premiere in january um and as we go through and jason if you want to do your own rankings as we watch We'll see how our list compares at the end, but you'll slowly get my list revealed. So, for example, Dr. No and From Russia With Love. We're going to discuss those in the first episode. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of Dr. No, I'll say, well, where does it fall in the ranking? Well, obviously, it's the only one we've watched, so it's number one. Right. We'll move on to From Russia With Love. We'll talk about that. Spoiler alert for this. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Where does that rank? Above Dr. No. So the rankings at the end of that episode will be from Russia with Love at number one, Dr. No at number two. And we will continue to add to the ranking. And then in no time, when we're done with No Time to Die, we will give the whole list from worst to best, uh, or worst to favorite. And I just can't wait. I, I, 
here's the thing. I don't know. I, I don't know how truly excited Jason is compared to me. Because I have been <laughs> a Bond maniac since 96 yeah. when I watched GoldenEye for the first time on VHS. And Dad was like, yeah, you know there's more of these. I'm like, wait, what? So, yeah. <laughs> um, but we'll get into all those stories and stuff, it, recollections or whatever, when we do the show. Yeah. Um, I love this series. There's only one fucking movie in the entire Bond franchise that I fucking hate. Um, and we'll yeah. get to it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering um, where that falls. I'm I'm, I'm going to have fun mm. contemplating. Oh, I know which one it is. Oh, <laughs> fuck yeah, <laughs> fuck yes, I know which one it is. And so, and and Jason, I think this will give you the a first chance to watch some of these movies. Some of right? them, yes, there because because uh, I've seen a lot of them. I had started watching through them because we were going to do this a while back. And then I got sidetracked. Uh, something happened. I can't remember what. And then we and, and we decided we were just going to hold off on this for a while. But man, I'm glad we came back to this idea. I'm glad you're, yeah. you're doing this, and I I can't wait to to do it. Yeah, we both got sidetracked just by various things. We were going to try to get started on the 60th anniversary last year, and then. Whatever it was, I think it was kind of like similar to this year. We just decided, you know what, we need to take the holidays off because we've got too much shit going on. And uh, um, just various things with our schedules and stuff. But yeah, and, and the thing is, is I just rewatched all the 26 of these films. Yeah. And I'm going to watch each of them again as we talk. About I know, them. So, I, which I mean, I like uh, Bond films. Okay. I, I do. I really like Bond films, but but <laughs> it is hilarious to me. You are a fucking nut when it comes to these movies. So oh, uh, I'm really looking forward to this. Sean and Jamie went on a cruise. My friends, they went on a cruise with uh, another couple they know. And, you know, on cruises, there's trivia nights every night. Right. And um, Sean said, man, there was two nights we wish we had you. They did Doctor Who trivia, and then they did James Bond trivia. Yeah. And I was like, do you have an example of one of the questions? And I think Sean said something like, yeah, who played the main Bond girl in The Spy Who Loved Me? Uh, Barbara Bach, yeah. Ringo Starr's, uh, <laughs> Ringo Starr's yeah. wife. And he was like, see, we needed you. Like, what was James Bond's first car, Bentley? Yeah. <laughs> like you know it was uh uh but what's crazy here is I'll, I'll show you jason on the screen here i'm also gonna maybe get a few of these under my belt so i can maybe talk about a little comparison oh yeah this you got the books there copy of uh casino royale here yep. which was the first bond book and yes. there's a reason it wasn't the first bond movie but we'll get into all that good stuff oh yeah when we get to it um yeah, I. it's a series that just, Dad introduced me to it, yep. and I'll go ahead and give this brief history. I mean, I'm sure I'll repeat it in the, in the later episode, but for me, where it started was Dad wanted to rent this movie called Goldeneye, and I didn't really know why. I, I mean, okay. Yeah. But I was always up for anything, so yeah. I was like, sure, it's an action movie. And he and I had watched a lot of Bond films together years yeah. ago. Yeah, for those of y'all who don't know, JT is nine years younger than me. So I had <laughs> nine years of watching stuff with Dad before he was even around. So it's kind of funny, sometimes JT will tell me things that our dad introduced him to that I remember him introducing it to me or, yeah. you know, earlier. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and the thing is, is, um, 
you graduated in 94. Right. And that, and that was not too long after dad and mom got divorced. And so mm-hmm. I have all these memories of being introduced to movies by dad. Yeah. And that, that are my own memories that you have your own memories from back in like the HBO days. Or oh yeah. Yeah. Got to see them. And so we rent golden, but real quick, we, we rent golden. I, I, we watch it and I fucking love it. I think it's just fantastic. What the hell is this? This is, yeah. it's really one of my first spy movies right. that I get to watch. And dad says, Hey, you know, there's like uh, 12 or 13 more of these. There were 16 more, but yeah. uh, he didn't know the exact, <laughs> he, he didn't know the exact yeah. number, but he said, yeah, it's like, yeah, sure. And he said, I'm going to do a little, uh, um, experiment here i want to show you goldfinger now as an as a at that point in time 10 11 year old mm-hmm. he's saying to me now this is an older movie it's gonna look older yeah. let's you see know. if you like this one and then i said to or what he didn't know at that point already was that i was already enjoying classic movies i was already enjoying older movies yeah i was already becoming a fucking film nut yeah um and so i watched golden of uh, goldfinger Sean Connery, Aston Martin, DB5, Gold Painted Woman, Odd Job, uh, Auric Goldfinger. Uh, do you expect me to talk? No, I expect you to die. Oh, fucking, the best lines in history. Fucking love it. And so dad sees that. And so we start renting from the video store, watching them on TV. I'll never forget. Dad didn't know that there was George Lazenby out there. Because no, he's be. like, hey, Honor Majesty Secret Service says it's a Bond movie. And it was on TV. The guide was like, James Bond returns and. We start watching it, and we're like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway. To, I, to defend a little here, not so yeah. bad. Oh, no, no, no. That movie's going to do very well, let me just say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was just, it's kind of like watching Halloween 3 for the first time. You're like, where the fuck is Michael Myers? But then you watch it again later, and you're like, oh, yeah. shit, this is a great movie. Yeah. Um, the reason I kind of went on this spiel, though, was to... Uh, Get you ready. That was a little teaser of the yeah. craziness that I will be giving to the show. Uh, I'll try to rein it in a little bit. Yes. <laughs> but uh, I love him. I, yeah, James Bond, great. Uh, I think we're going to premiere the first Wednesday in January. I'm, I'm blanking on that exact date. Okay. Um, I'll figure it out later. But... Uh, Oh, hell. Hang on. Let me pull it up here. Damn it. Shouldn't take too long if my computer doesn't act slow. All right. Girl from Ipanema, huh? Anyway. Looks like it will be January 3rd. Awesome. That's the first Wednesday. Um, if that changes, I'll, I'll announce it via the horror bros group. This is, this is still horror bros, by the way. I want to go ahead and confirm yeah, that. We're not trying yeah. to convert the show. It's we're just, just doing a divergence. Occasionally we're going to divert to some, uh, some uh, other genre or yeah, series. Because there's a genre that I, I kind of want to divert to for a while, uh, eventually. And we'll get to that later, but. But yeah, Bond's going to be our first little divergence from from horror movies. And uh that should be a lot of fun. I can't wait for it. Um oh, man, I'm so I'm so I'm so ready. Yes. I'm so ready. Yes. But until then, happy holidays, merry christmas, happy hanukkah, happy new year, all that shit. You know, uh to everyone out there because we are 
we are going We're to taking be a taking break. a break. <laughs> and uh, but on but on January third, the Bond brothers return. That's right. Anyway, <laughs> you guys uh, re- remember, love each other. Until next time, bye. Later. <laughs>